0: Well, hello to everyone uh, here in person and all across Westwood and all of the campuses and online. My name is Ben Griffin, so honored to bring today's message. Uh, we are continuing our series on the Psalms, Psalms of Ascent, and as been as our tradition, let's stand up and read the psalm together. This is Psalm 127. I'm looking at you at home too. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, The guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. This is Psalm 127. You may be seated. And if you would, join me in a word of prayer. Lord, as we talk about this passage, specific application into our daily lives, I I pray, Lord, for the power, the presence, the authority of your Holy Spirit to speak. I pray, Lord, that it would not be my words that echo into today or tomorrow, but, Lord, that your words, your pure, powerful truth, that it would resonate deep in our hearts, saturate the deepest parts of us, Lord, and convict, challenge, and move us forward. Lord, I pray for for a movement of your Holy Spirit in our lives today and ongoing. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So today's topic is sacred work and and here's my goal right up front uh, to bring meaning. Oh sorry over here to bring more meaning and joy to our work. Sorry shifting shifting places. So sacred work to bring more meaning and joy to our work. Can anybody use a little more meaning and joy in your work? Yeah I, I think me too. More meaning and joy to our work. So we're gonna unpack that and pull that. Now some of you in here might be going but I'm, now, I'm past that stage of working. I don't work anymore. I don't know if this applies to me. So I got good news and I got bad news for you. Uh, the bad news is when it comes to work in God's kingdom, our work does not end when our job nine to five stops. In fact, the Bible makes clear from the beginning when God made everything, work was there. And in heaven, there will be work. It'll probably be a little bit more fun than our work here. Uh, but work continues and is part of God's good Creation. And so we're going to start today by redefining work a little bit and then pulling on on how that plays out in our daily life. So let's start at the very beginning. In the beginning, God made everything and it was, if you know the word, say it. Good. good. It was good. Like everything was good. So he made trees like they grew out of the ground. They bore fruit and they are they were Good, right, and, and then he put the stars in the sky and their beauty created light day and night and it was good, good. yes, it was good. He made the giraffe, like its long neck, beautiful animal and it was good. right, he made the platypus and it was good. yeah weird, okay, <laughs> weird but good, right, and, and it was in that good place, that good state where we run into this passage, Genesis 2.15, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. This is before the fall. This is before what we call when Adam and Eve sinned and and, and sin entered the world and and this broken place we live in now. Before all that, Adam had a job. He worked. Not only that, but Eve was right alongside of them and they were co-laborers in God's work. There was work to be done and there still is. And I'm gonna give you the most simple definition of work from a biblical standpoint, and it's this, that work is serving God. Work is serving God, and serving those that he created. So serving God and serving one another is God's work. And now you might be thinking, like, well, what, what does that look like? Well, think about how do you serve God, and how do you serve those around you? And let's be honest, we know that serving some of the people in our lives, it's a lot of work, Go ahead and look at the person next to you. Sometimes you're a lot of work. Just let them know. Yeah, some of you are like, I am not saying that. Yeah, so serving God and serving others. Now, it's interesting because if I were to ask you to define the difference between work and worship, those two concepts, most of us would be like, well, worship, that's what we're here to do right now. We're here to worship God. That's my Sunday thing. And then on Monday, I go to work, and that's my Monday thing. But really interesting, at least to me, I hope to you, is that biblically, work and worship in the Old Testament, there is one word used interchangeably very often for work and worship, which is fascinating because, you know, not too long ago, I spoke here about love, and in Hebrew, there are dozens of words for love but it uses an interchangeable word for work and worship. And let's just take a look at some examples of that. So uh, we have the word avodah is the Hebrew word, which means work, worship, service. And here are some examples where we see that in the scripture. Six days you shall work, avodah, from Exodus 34. Here's another one from Exodus 8. This is what the Lord says. Let my people go. So this is Moses speaking to Pharaoh, if you've seen the cartoon version, let my people go so that they may avodah worship me. Same word. And then here again in Joshua, this is a very popular passage, as for me and my house, Joshua says, we will avodah serve, work for, worship The Lord, it's the same word over and over and over again. Avodah is to serve, worship God, and our work in the Old Testament is intimately connected with that. It's the same word. In fact, uh, trying to think of how to say that in English, here's a word uh, that came up with, the word "workship." Work as a form of worship through which we love God and serve our neighbor. So let's say that again. Work as a form of worship through which we love God and serve our neighbor. So does your work love God and serve your neighbor? Now, in our culture, and I don't know how it is in Moldovan culture, we're going to invite over up some Moldovans at the end of this message here to talk, but in our culture, we tend to compartmentalize all the parts of our, our life. We've got work and we've got worship they're separate but we compartmentalize everything so as an example of that I just brought some of the shoes from my life so I've got my basketball shoes and with my basketball shoes I play Basket. basketball you're good right yep play basketball uh, I've got my slides and these are my chillin' shoes anybody else have chillin' shoes like uh, on any given night in the summer I slide these on and I'm sitting on my backpack sipping a topo chico which is a water So I'm sitting back there. These are my chillin' shoes. I don't know if you've got those. Uh, And then uh, I've got my walking shoes. And with my walking shoes, I walk. walk. Well, yep, that's right on. And these are my hiking shoes. And so with my hiking shoes, I I painfully walk. That's correct. (laughs) Yep, just did some of that in the mountains. These are my church shoes. Anybody got church shoes? So a wedding or a funeral or church, like I wear my, put on my church shoes I'm going to church okay just out of curiosity how many of you are wearing your church shoes right now yeah a few of you a few are like no I'm wearing my comfy shoes come on <laughs> right all right so we got our church shoes and then uh, and then I've got my running shoes and in my running shoes I walk, walk. that's correct yeah 100 percent that's what I do So and these are just some of the shoes, right? I literally have dancing shoes and bowling shoes and some of you have very specific work (laughs) shoes that you might wear. But but I also have my preaching shoes. And I think we want, do we want to get a shot of that? There they are. Yep, those are the (laughs) preaching shoes. Yep. And I guess you could also call these my work shoes, at least today. So in our lives, we've got all these different shoes representing all these different aspects of our lives. Now, which one of these do we put on when it's time to worship God? Church shoes? All of, all of them. All of them. Yeah, the answer is all of them. But let's be honest. Most of the time, it's when we put on the church shoes that we're thinking about worshiping God. How often are you slipping on the comfy shoes and going, oh, it's time to worship? How often are you putting on the basketball shoes? Okay, not very often. Bad example. How often are you putting on the walking shoes and thinking, it's time to worship God. How often are you work putting, lacing up your work shoes and thinking it's time to worship God? See, I think when we look at avodah as workship, it is everything, every compartment of our lives. How are we serving God and serving others? And so it's in that context that we come into Psalm 127 and let's look specifically uh, at what it says here. Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. So we're just gonna focus on this first part of the, part of the verse. And I wanna point a, fir- a few things out for you. I just spent some time breaking down the word avodah for worship serving God. This is not the word avodah. In fact, it's, bas- it's just a word for labor. So this passage is saying, if your work and it's not, the heart of it is not worshiping the Lord, serving God and serving others and what you're doing, then, then your labor is in vain. It's also saying something else I find really interesting is that when we read build a house, that carries with it the connotation both of work, like the work of our hands, the work that we think of as our nine to five job, but it also carries with it build a house, like build a home, relationships, a family, that those roles are part of our work in serving God and serving others. Now today, there are a lot of spheres in our lives, a lot, a lot of different shoes. I'm gonna focus today, the rest of this time, mostly on the vocational work side of this. Next week, when Zach speaks, uh, he's gonna be talking about Psalm 128, and he's gonna be pulling out more of the relational spheres of connection when it comes to this. And so, so let's take a look now and, and talk about what does it look like for our faith to influence our work, to work in our daily lives, our Monday morning lives. And I've got three main points uh, to build off of that. Uh, and the first one is this, is that faith gives purpose to your work so that you do not waste your talents. And every one of these has a question with them. This question for you is this, am I working to the best of my God-given abilities. Faith gives purpose to your work so that do you do not waste your talents. Now, I'm gonna share a phrase with you. Uh, this was shared with me. Actually, Zach came up with this, so we gotta give him credit for this. This is a powerful phrase, is that as followers of Jesus, we work from our purpose, not for our paycheck. Can I say that again? As followers of Jesus, we work from our purpose, not for our paychecks. And let's be really clear. If you are working for a paycheck and your goal is more joy in your work, the exact opposite is gonna happen. That is scientifically proven that you can actually take something you love, start paying somebody for it and they can lose the love for it. Because if you're working for a paycheck and not from purpose, there's not joy in that and our purpose is a god-given purpose he has given it to us and it's to serve him and serve others with the gifts that he's given us so in Matthew chapter 25 there's a parable that Jesus gives called the parable of the talents and talents is an interesting word because it is both the gifts that you've been given we can kind of make that connotation but in old test or in new testament time when Jesus said that a talent was a specific amount of money in fact Uh, He gave one guy, a master gives three people talents. One, he gives one talent, one, he gives two talents. And the third person, he gives five talents. And he says, now go, go use that, right? And I will come back and take an account of how you used what I gave you. Now, when I say a talent of money, that doesn't really stick for us. So let me personalize it for us. A talent is equal to 20 years of a basic average pay, 20 years pay in one lump sum. So uh, using today's inflated U.S. dollars, that would be about $1 million. So we go, the guy got one talent, didn't get much. No, he got a million dollars. And then another one got two and another got five. Now go and use that for God's glory. So just for fun, imagine if instead of bringing shoes today, I brought you all cash. Yeah, I can imagine that. Let's let's keep talking about this, Pastor. All right, so imagine I gave each one of you a million dollars, and I said to you, now how are you gonna use that million dollars to serve God and serve others, to multiply it for God's kingdom? I'm curious, and just take a second to think about this, how would you do that? Got some ideas in mind? It's a lot easier to think about how I wanna spend a million dollars on me how do you want to spend that to multiply God's kingdom? And now, now here's the deal. At the, at the end of this parable, the master comes back. The one who had 5 million turned it into 10. The one who had 2 million turned it into 4. The one who had 1 million buried it. Didn't put it in a bank anywhere. He was one of those like buried it in his backyard and put it in the ground. When he came back, he pulled it back and said, here's your million dollars. And he was in tremendous trouble because the master said, you did not use what I gave you. So he actually took away what was given to him and gave it to someone who had more. And that, the, the point of that parable is pretty, pretty powerful that we are supposed to use what God has given us to bring glory to him and his kingdom. Now, I don't have a million dollars for each one of you. I mean, if you wanna steal one of my shoes, you can do that. It puts us both in an awkward position, but you could do that. <laughs> but God has given you uniquely you, incredible gifts and talents that no one else on this planet has ever been given. He has gifted you and given you. And the question is, how are you using the things that God has given and blessed you with to bring glory to him? See, the witness of a Christian is not always that we speak our faith. It's that we use God, our God-given talents to the best of our ability to honor him. So uh, as as an example, Martin Luther says this. He says, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. So are you using and investing the God-given gifts that he's given you to multiply his kingdom? So second question is this. Or second point. Faith anchors your identity so that your work does not define you. And the question with that is, am I working for the right boss? Now, in the United States, again, I can't speak for Moldova here, but in the United States, how long in a conversation when you're meeting somebody new does it take to talk about what you did or do for a living? It's fast, isn't it? Like We, want, we get to that fast. Like Our identity is so attached to our roles and whatever they might be. And we as followers of, of Jesus, we are anchored to a deeper identity. We have a different boss. And it should affect who we are and how we show up. So who are you working for? And, and I've got a, an image to help us think about that. Who are we working for? So uh, here's, here's the image of a car. I have no idea what kind of car it is, but it's obviously a convertible, so we'll call it fancy. So the question I have for you is, what seat does Jesus play in your life? And here's some of the options. Uh, the first one here is the trunk. I know, you probably didn't think about that as a, thi- as, as a seat. But think about your trunk. What kind of things do you keep in your trunk? You got jumper cables, got maybe some portable seats. You got, I got some disc golf discs back there, right? Like when do you pull out the j- jumper cables? Only when you need them. Only when you need them. Yeah, exactly. So the things we keep in the trunk are the things that we pull out only when we need them. And I wonder, does God play that role in your life? Like, hey God, you're in the trunk. When I need you, we'll pop it open and we'll talk and oh man, this is an urgent emergency situation. Is that where he's at? Another option is the backseat. And uh, the backseat, hey, we're in this together. We're having a good time. But uh, let's be honest, nobody likes a backseat driver, right? Don't be telling me where to go. Don't be directing me, that's not your job. Like, we're in this together, I like good conversation and connection, I like saying that we're in this car together, but you're in the back seat. Now, uh, here's the other one, next option, is the passenger seat, Uh, and this is another name for this, is the navigator chair. And, And I would contend for most of us, most of us who are active followers of Jesus in churches, this is probably the seat that we have Jesus in. Hey, I listen, he, he's my GPS, he directs. I listen to what he says, I study his word, I'm following it, but ultimately, who has their hand on the wheel? Yeah, yourself. Hey, I just did a 21 hour drive to and then back from Colorado and I drove 90% of that trip. I'm one of those guys that sometimes struggles letting other people drive. Anybody like that? You can throw an elbow to one of them. Yep, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sometimes when I'm not driving and I've gotten better about this, but sometimes when I'm not driving, I'm trying to sleep, but every little bump, my eye opens like, oop, I got it, are, are we okay, right? I have trouble not being in the driver's seat. And I think that's the truth for many of us because the seat that Jesus really should be in is the driver's seat. And that's a little scary. We don't always know where, he's go, where, he, where we're going. We don't always know like the road, but are we trusting the one who's taking us there? Uh, When I pastored a a church plant that I started years ago, we had a saying, uh, we don't always know where we're going, but we know who we're following, Jesus. And isn't that the truth? We don't always know where we're going, but Jesus, I see you, I seek you, I follow you, and where you lead, I will follow. Where you lead, I will go. So the question is, who is your boss? Because some of the workplaces that we're in uh, really wanna take that wheel and tell us where to go. Some of us really wanna take that wheel and tell us where to go, but are we listening to our real boss, Jesus our savior? So third main point on this is, faith brings values to your work so that your work does not corrupt you. I took this phrasing exactly, almost exactly from a Tim Keller uh, teaching that, that I read, but faith brings values to your work so that your work does not corrupt you. And the question to go with that is, am I working for the right price? I would contend in today's society that some of the deeper divides that we have, and they show up in all these different ways in in political and other arenas, but the deepest divides are actually a divide of values and morality. What is right and what's wrong? And as followers of Jesus, regardless of the sphere that we're in, part of the way we worship God is by living by his values, no matter the place we're in, no matter the values that are put in front of us, we follow his. And so as I was thinking about that, the the Bible uses this phrase, heavenly treasure. Store up for yourselves heavenly treasure, things that last for eternity. And I wondered, well, what is heavenly treasure? So I did a little study in the word because I think those are the things that drive what we should really value. And and I just wanna break these down for us because I think this is a good list of what we should value. See what the world treasures versus what heaven treasures. The world treasures accumulation of wealth But in contrast, what heaven treasures is radical generosity. That's a different value. Agreed? What the world treasures is power, but what heaven treasures is humility. Does your workplace, do you show up in what way? The world treasures love from people, recognition. But what heaven treasures is love for people, sacrifice. And isn't that what Jesus did for us? sacrifice let's think about this Jesus had a job an earthly job you all remember anybody know what it was yeah carpenter which maybe was stonemason but Jesus did not say that was his job but his work was something deeper right he didn't say pick up your hammer and follow me He said, pick up your cross and follow me. What was deeper was his obedience to God, serving God the Father and serving us, took him to the cross and ultimately to the empty grave. So thankful that he did, but that was sacrifice versus what was he tempted to do on the cross? Just call down your angels and they will save you. And he could, but he didn't. So a different value. The world treasures self-indulgence. What does heaven treasure? selfless care for others. The world treasures Lord of my own life. What does heaven treasure? Jesus is Lord, he's in the driver's seat. The world treasures my great name. What heaven treasures? Jesus' great name. So as you think about that, think about your workplace. Who is your boss? How are you showing up to the best of your ability? And, And are you living by the values that, that reflect him. and Because let's be honest, very practically, this could mean two things for us. A, it could mean you show up to your current work differently than you have showed up before. Whatever your Monday morning thing is, whatever shoe you're lacing up tomorrow, how are you showing up differently? Or B, you could be saying, it's time for me to do some different work. It's time to, so A is show up differently. B is I show up for something different. Because maybe, you haven't had that opportunity or there's some challenging things to keep you from living that way. So uh, what we're gonna do now is transition. I'm gonna invite forward uh, Ivan and Ina from uh, Moldova. And while we do that, they're gonna be moving all this stuff around in the background to get us ready. But I'm gonna interview them. uh, Our trip to Moldova recently was with them, working with refugees and others. They live out the things that I've been talking about today and they equip and empower other people to live that out. So we're going to take a few minutes and talk about with them. So, so come on up. And while they do that, I'm going to teach you just a little bit of Russian so we can appropriately greet them. Uh, there's, uh, there's this little phrase, dobrea, utra. And it means good morning. So I'm going to teach you to, it starts with dough, like raise the dough in the oven. "Do," Brea. Dobrea. And then, u. tra. Utra, so dobre utra. Dobre utra. Dobre <laughs> utra. Have a seat. Good job. Welcome. Yeah, so tell us about yourselves. Tell us about your ministry.
1: Yeah, so my last name is Vdovichenko. <laughs> Can you <I> tell that? Vdovichenko. <laughs> yeah, he did well. So, um, that's a joy and honor to to be this morning with you, and um, we. Uh, live in Moldova. We uh, came to faith in Moldova, and uh, right now we are um, uh, leading the ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, which has uh, 60 full-time staff, and most of them came to faith through the um, because of the crew ministry in, in our country.
2: Um, yeah, Moldova is a small country in Eastern Europe. It's a long, uh, landlocked country, bordered with Romania and Ukraine. Uh, Most of, uh, main religion is uh, Eastern Orthodox Church, like around 90% of population. Uh, Less than 1% of population are evangelical Christians. And I, came, I come from an Orthodox family. Usually uh, they are set against Evangelical Christians, so my parents wouldn't allow me to have any connections to Evangelical Christians. But it happens after Soviet Union collapsed. I was like, a couple years later, I was 15 years old, and a family from United States, they moved to Moldova and they established right across of our house so my father was passionate about English and he said me, said me go and learn English. So I did. <laughs> I joined everything they did for kids and you know, teenagers. And one day at a summer camp, I met a lady. She shared me more about Jesus. So I came to know Jesus. I received him like my Savior and Lord. And I joined to an evangelical church to every meetings they had for young people. My parents they thought this is an amusement for teenagers, so it (laughs) soon will go, and it never went. (laughs) I still love Jesus, and we do both serve with crew for 15 years.
1: Wow! And uh, (laughs) we came with our family, so you can uh, see the picture of them. (laughs) They are somewhere uh, around, and we have three kids. And uh, Moldova is in Eastern Europe. For those who don't know, you can see it on the map. It's a landlocked country between Ukraine and Romania.
0: That's fantastic. And today we've been talking about workship, kind of serving God and others in the work that we do. And I know you all live that, but you also equip and empower other people to do that. And, and just like our 10-10-10 goal, you're starting churches and you're equipping people as everyday missionaries. So can you share some more about that?
1: Yeah, so our vision is to have one church for every thousand of people in our country, so actually to have church in every neighborhood, and every um, high-rise uh, apartment building, and uh, what we teach people is actually to work on uh, big holidays. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, one of the uh, strategies that we use, we, for example, our family, each Christmas time, we knock at the doors of neighbors that we don't know, and we bring gifts to them and share about the meaning of uh, Christmas and what we believe. And uh, the same way some friends of mine, they uh, give uh, flowers to strangers on the neighborhood uh, on the Women's Day. Uh, it's kind of our, ty- um, our version of uh, Mother's Day yeah, yeah. Uh, that you have in the U.S. So, and uh, they share about Christ of love. So another way... Um, Another strategy that we have, in a ministry direction that we have in Moldova called Athletes and Actions. And they reach professional coaches for Christ. And in Moldova, we have no... Um, uh, such thing as chaplain, uh, chaplainship. So we teach that every coach uh, should be a chaplain for his uh, team, should be a pastor for his team, and bring gospel and love of Christ to the, each member of the team.
0: I love that. We don't have chaplains. Every coach is a pastor, and we equip them that way, whatever the role is. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, tell us more about some of the refugee work you do. I mean, just seeing where you are, it's so close to Ukraine, and I know the team that was there was working with you in some of that work. So tell us how that happened and what's going on. Yeah, so first of all, thank you
1: for your support of uh, um, this ministry to people from Ukraine uh, in Moldova. So uh, in the very first night after the war started uh, in Ukraine, uh, I received a call at three o'clock night, I received a call from a friend of mine, he said, Hey Ivan there is a family in the downtown of the uh, city in the main street and there is a kid uh, child inside the car and they have no place to go so could you please go and help them so i came there and i saw many cars uh, of ukrainian people with car uh, with uh, kids inside and they could not find any place to go, uh, to go because everything was booked already. So I invited all of them to come to the crew office and at the same time, uh, many missionaries, uh, staff of crew were coming with their own, um, they were bringing um, their own mattresses, uh, uh, beds, foods, food uh, to the office of crew. And uh, this, the picture show how it used to look first days and uh, uh, since that night, Next month, our office, our staff were serving um, Ukrainians days and nights twenty four seven Many people were coming, and uh, now we have uh, fifteen hundred people who lived in our refugee center that we run wow. and uh, with your help, we could organize that work better and now we have refugee center that uh, um, like serve uh, serve people and uh, what is was uninspected, uh, is that in the midst of a lot of pain, a lot of uh, sufferings, uh, bad stories, sad stories, we saw God who is working in so mighty ways. So just one example, a year ago we started a church, a home church in one city, so the family moved to live there in order to start the church, and for six months they had no people, like four people, it was a Uh, Size of the church, and since the war started, many people started to come to God and started to come to the church. So now they have thirty people, thirty adults, thirty kids. They had to rent a room for that uh, church, and several weeks ago, uh, eleven people were baptized in that church. Oh,
3: come on! That's awesome.
2: We want to thank Westwood for sending us a help, like a Westwood European ministry team. They help us to set a daycare center for for kids so that they can play. Meantime, mothers can have a cup of coffee talking about life, sharing love of Christ to them. Thank you so very much.
0: That's awesome. And I I mean, it's so, we see pictures and we hear what you're saying, but it's just, the, the crisis is so huge. I mean, I don't know if everybody knows this, but um, men of 18 and older are not allowed to leave the Ukraine because they want them to fight. So we're talking women and children. There are no jobs, so there are people crossing the border who have no place, no money, no place to stay, don't know anybody, I mean, literally, uh, the, just to hear that, a street full of cars filled with people who had no place to go. I just, uh, thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus. Thank you for letting us be a part of that uh, with this church here. Uh, just praise God for that. Uh, so with that, how can we be praying for you?
2: Uh, pray for evangelical outreach that we are doing. Uh, we Twice a year, we have English club, we call them. We invite uh, young people to have an opportunity to learn English, speaking to... Just like uh, you did. (laughs) Yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) speaking to native uh, English speakers, you know, (laughs) and then we share the gospel, yeah, and the the, the next upcoming outreach is in October, so we actually are inviting you to join us. We really, if you speak English better than me, you're the right person.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some of you don't qualify. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then also pray for peace in our region and yes. pray for spiritual revival.
0: Yeah, amen to yeah. that. So with that said, I want to invite forward Pastor Chaz, Director of FAR Ministry, uh, and he's going to pray over you, and I know you've got something Yeah, I have for a gift.
2: Us. This is a Ukrainian flag signed with gratitude by Ukrainian refugees in our uh, centers. They send you a thank you note. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much for all wow. the
0: church. Wow, yeah, thank that's you. amazing. Thank you.
2: Thank you.
0: And I think they'll take this so that we can honor the flag. Awesome. And Pastor Chaz, would you lead us in a word sure. prayer? Good
3: morning, everybody. Ina and Ivan, thanks for being with us. We really appreciate it. And you've blessed everybody as you can tell from the clapter. So let's let's pray and just lift you up. Father God, we lift this dear family, this dear couple up to you and and the uh, crew staff that's in Moldova. Lord, we first of all just pray for protection. We pray for the country of Moldova, that you will protect them from the threat of an invading army that happens every day. Lord, we pray for the daily life that they have of of working and traveling in Moldova, that you just protect them and the whole crew staff. We praise you, Father, for the work that you have been doing lately, and, uh, and Father, we thank you for bringing uh, the Ukrainian refugees to Moldova so that the crew staff and so many other Christian organizations there can can lead them and guide them and love them and just show them your grace and mercy. And Father, we pray uh, for peace in this area. Father, bring lasting peace to this region, not just an end of the war, but Father, long time Christ-led peace. Father, we admonish them and lift them up and just remind them that you said, fear not, for I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I'll uphold you with my victorious right hand. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you. Let's give them a hand again. So that's their Monday morning mission. That's how they lace up their shoes and uh, live it out for the gospel and then help others to do the same. And, and as we leave here today, I just pray that you would be thinking about that. How has God called you to use the gifts he's given you to serve him and serve others uh, to work ship, work and worship uh, together in his name. So with that, amen. Would you stand? And I wanna close us in a word of prayer. Lord God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your work here, near and far and pray that you would be at work in each one of us, Lord, to, to be at work, to be at worship, worship in your name. And I pray that you would open our eyes to how we are called to do that in small and big ways. I thank you, Lord, for the way that you have gifted us, the way that you have saved us. And I pray that we would operate, Lord, out of your grace and with meaning and joy that we would serve you. Pray all this, Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen.